audience participation this morning. What do you call the middle of the night? Midnight. Yeah, exactly. I've got little kids, and it seems to me that midnight is when they always decide to like get sick or something go wrong, and they want to come over to your bed, and they're like, Mom, because they don't come to my side. I, I planned this thing out. I sleep at the far side. Jane's closer to the door. Husbands, you got to think about these little details, right? It's like, I'm going to sleep as far away, so when the kids come in, they bug all you ladies will look at me with judgmental eyes, like how cruel, how awful, you know? And uh, so they'll come in the middle of the night. It just seems like they're just sick forever. Everything seems worse kind of at midnight. Uh, I grew up in the day where we didn't necessarily, it was uh, instant communication was on the rise, right? And uh, so we didn't necessarily have all this communication that we had. So if the phone rang in the middle of the night, it usually wasn't good. Usually something was bad was happening. For some of you, you're like, no, people bug me all the time at night, and I hate it, and you know, you got your phone and everything. But it just seems like midnight, it just kind of makes everything worse. Or have you ever been through a what we would call maybe a midnight season, and you would just kind of wish for morning. You're like, man, if I could just make it till morning. I just want this night to be over. And maybe that midnight is a season for you. And you're like, if I could just get through this season, then things would be a lot better for me. Well, as we dive into this passage, I kind of want to have that thought in mind. And let's look at Luke chapter 24, and we're going to read just a few verses together. But in verse number one, we see these two ladies here. They are, they're coming to the tomb. Here's what verse number one says. It says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. And some of you, it's 10 30, 11 o'clock. And you're like, yeah, it's really early. I had a late night. It's very early. I sympathize with those ladies, you know, at the tomb. No, you don't. So they're early. They're very early. Scholars say is the deep dawn. What is the deep dawn? That'd be between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Okay. So whether or not you didn't get enough coffee or you're still tired, it's not quite that early, but scripture says that's how early they came. But here's what puzzles my mind. I don't necessarily like to get up early. Matter of fact, I hate getting up early. So there's no reason why these ladies need to go at 2 a.m. to the tomb to embalm the body of Jesus. I mean, think about it. It's a graveyard. Who goes to a graveyard at 2 a.m.? How creepy that is. I mean, do you go see your grandma at 2 a.m.? Like, hey, grandma, I'm here. I got some flowers. And imagine you showed up to the tomb and there's dirt dug up. The casket's open. You're like, oh, my goodness. Where's grandma? And then you feel a hand on your shoulder. All of a sudden, it's just like it's over. You're going to wet yourself. I mean, it's just no. So that's these ladies. They're coming to the tomb and it's like 2 a.m. And they get there and it's open. And they walk inside and there's no body there. And all of a sudden, here's what verse number two says. The Bible says in verse number two, it says, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus. And it happened that they were greatly perplexed. They were super confused. They were worried. They were wondering what is happening. But the Bible says that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And these two men are the angels. Then as they were afraid, they bowed their faces down to the earth. And they said to them, these angels said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse number six then says this as they begin reading. It says, for he is not here, but he is risen. And then they use one word, remember. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Verse number seven saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of simple men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. 
Then they returned from the tomb and all those things that the 11 and told all the rest and told them the things to the apostles. Verse number 11, and the word seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Here, these ladies, they came and they came to the tomb. And I think, why did they come to the tomb? I mean, Jesus was crucified on Friday and about three o'clock he passed away and they took the body down from the cross around three o'clock. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they took the body, they begged the body from uh, a um, Pilate and they got this body and they're going to go prepare it. And they had to prepare the body quickly because in their custom, in their context, it was illegal to do any work on the Sabbath. It's about three o'clock. Sabbath begins at sundown, which would be about five o'clock. So they had two hours to get this body very carefully down from the cross and balm the body and then place it in a tomb. And so I thought about these ladies and I was thinking, well, why didn't they come the next day and take care of the body? And here's the reason why church, it's because that during the Sabbath, you weren't supposed to do any work. And Saturday was the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. And so these ladies, instead of going to the tomb, instead of caring for the tomb like they wanted to, they had to wait till Saturday. One of the reasons why I believe that these ladies got up so early is for two reasons. And it's because I think it's two reasons that'll keep you and I up. You'll stay up if you're in love and when you're in sorrow, when you're deeply depressed. Those things will keep you up at night. Those are the things where rest just, it's difficult. You may get a half hour, an hour, and then you're up again. You're just so bothered or you're just so in love. You just, man, I just love being with that person. So excited about that person and can't be wait, and wait to be with that person. And so that's where these women find themselves. But the Bible says it was very early. So they get to the tomb about 2 a.m., between 2 and 4 a.m. And guess what? Jesus is already gone. He's already arisen. He's already alive this morning. Which leads me to believe that the miracle happened just after midnight. The miracle happened just after midnight. Some of you are in a midnight season and it seems so long. It seems so difficult. But I'm telling you this morning that the miracle is going to happen after midnight. Touch your neighbor and say, you know what? The miracle is going to happen after midnight. And touch the other neighbor, that was your second choice, and say, hey, the miracle is going to happen after midnight. The miracle is going to happen and it's going to happen in a moment. I don't know about you, but sometimes you get those midnight messages. You say, what do you mean a midnight message? Uh, I don't know if you've got a boss that does this. It'll be maybe even later than midnight. It'll be like 2.30 a.m. And all of a sudden, they're typing out this long email, and they're sending it to you. And they're like, hey, we got to get all this crap done before the weekend. And you need to help out. And look at me. It's 2.30, but I'm working. What are you doing, slacker? Like, can't believe you're asleep. And then they send you that email. And you're like, we had two months to do the project, and you're the guy who waited last minute. And now you want me to help you? No, uh-uh, not going to happen. So you've got people like that. Then, then you've got other people that send midnight messages, but their messages are they're going through your Facebook feed and they're liking posts from like 2009 and you're like, what? And then they start commenting on it. Isn't that weird? You're like, I don't know what to tell them. I don't remember what happened, but they're commenting and they're liking. You're like, block, block, delete, get rid of. I don't know this person. Or there's the other message where this doesn't happen to the guys necessarily, but it happens to ladies where it's 2 a.m. and the guy's like, hey, you want to go out? And you're like, what? What a random message. And then... 
you know, it hurts, but the reality was he had a few too many and all of a sudden you just look really good, you know? So he's like, I'm going to message her. So that's the reality. Okay. Before you get too excited, that's what it was. All right. So don't get too excited about it. And so, you know, you get these midnight messages and you're thinking, oh man, what's going on? I'm hoping this message finds you in your midnight. I hope this message will be encouraging, uplifting, will help you to see that, you know what? The midnight has to give way to morning. The darkness cannot stop the daylight. Sin could not stop our Savior. The grave could not hold our God. Sin was conquered. Amen, church? I wish this was the 9 o'clock crowd. They were way more awake than you guys. Man, you guys got that extra hour. My goodness. We'll get you woken up. This morning, um, I got dressed. And my wife, she's so sweet. She's so nice. She she picks out Easter outfits. Everybody's got to have an Easter outfit, right? And she gets me a bow tie. Jake, I got this bow tie. And I put this bow tie on, and it wasn't working. It was like, no, no, I got to preach, and people have to look at me. You're going to lose all respect for me. And I was like, I just felt like kind of a preaching storm coming on, one of those. So that's why I was like, hey, Pastor Wes, I need your mic. I can't do the whole little let's teach and let's be quiet. I was like, no, 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 this is going to be a little bit more upbeat. So if you came for a nice Easter message, you know, you, you're going to be missing out, okay? We're going we're gonna to be on our feet today. We're going to be a little bit more upbeat and energetic, okay? So as we dive in. But I want us to see in this passage, we see these ladies and they came to the tomb and all of a sudden they're confused, they're perplexed. What's going on? They, they don't know what's happening here. And then the angels come, the angels remind them. But it's interesting to me, why did these ladies need the reminder? Jesus, the entire time leading up to the time he's gonna be crucified was telling his disciples and his followers, hey, three days, I'm gonna be in the grave, but don't get, don't get worried, don't get upset. I'm gonna come out of that grave. I'm going to conquer sin. I'm going to conquer death. But they didn't understand. They didn't know what was happening. They were perplexed. Finally, I realized what happened because the midnight can block our mindset. That's what midnight does. Midnight can mess with our mindset. You and I have a mindset of how things are supposed to happen, how things are supposed to go. But yet midnight seasons can block the midnight or can block the mindset of a believer or even a person that just thinks, hey, I'm going through life, what's happening? You see, Mary and the other ladies assumed that there were grave robbers. They didn't know that Jesus robbed his own grave. They didn't understand what was happening. And so we see that these ladies, they come to the tomb and then they meet these angels. And these angels give half revelation, half rebuke to these ladies. They say, hey, don't you remember what he said? And that's the key word. Would you write this in your notes somewhere? We gave you a pen and we gave it to you for a reason. If you don't use it, you have to pay for it and stop stealing it, you know. But we give it to you for three reasons. To take notes because you think your memory is really good. It's not, especially us guys. We have a terrible memory, all right. We are sent to the grocery store and as soon as we get there, we're like, oh, crap. What was I supposed to get again? Um, Fruit Loops. Yeah, I'm sure she wanted Fruit Loops. You know, you come back and you didn't get anything they wanted. So write it down. And the other thing is, if you see that connection card, your guest, fill that out. Let us know that you're here. And here's the third thing. If you're going to keep the pen, you got to give it away. You got to give it to somebody. It's free advertising for our church. Somebody yesterday, they were like, we were at our event. They were like, I like your Southridge shirt. And I was like, you want one? He's like, yeah. So I was like, here's an exchanger. He's going to wear our Southridge shirt. You know, I just hope he's not a drug dealer or a murderer, right? It's like, bam, bam, Southridge. You know, it's like, oh, what's going on? You know, that'd be terrible, terrible, right? I'm like, man, that'd just be, that'd be our luck too, right? I'd be there on the news. Like, I don't know. I didn't give him the shirt. She did it. It was her. Her idea. 
So we see that this, this midnight can block our mindset. And these angels, they're missing the message. And so this morning, this could easily happen because our response is determined by what we remember. Our response is determined by what we remember. They came to the tomb and it was uh, midnight, but they're morning. It wasn't morning. They're morning. They're sad. They're distraught. Why are they coming to the tomb distraught? They should have came with an expectation that, guess what? We're going to camp out there and we're going to wait three days. He said just three days. We're going to wait at the tomb. And when Jesus comes out, guess what? We're going to be there to give him a hug, to clap, to high five and say sin is conquered. But that's not where they were. The disciples are hiding. And the women, they're coming to help and embalm the body of Jesus. But they had this mindset that was blocked because of their misery. And some of you, you have a mindset that is blocked so you can't see what God has for you. So you're so discouraged, you're so distraught because the midnight has blocked your mindset. Because midnight will mess with your memory. It really will. Midnight will mess with your memory. It's midnight and it's blocking what's happening. There's a passage of scripture where it's the apostle Paul and Silas. They're put in prison for preaching about Jesus. And they're put in prison. I want you to see the scripture. We're going to put it on the scene, on the screen. And it says, and having received such a charge, they put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. But at, say it church. Midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Here's what's interesting about this passage. It's midnight. It's in the middle of the night. And what are these guys doing? Are they whining? Man, I can see Silas. Paul, I can't believe you got us in prison again, man. For real? This is the second time we're in prison. I can't believe this. I, um, I, can't, I don't know what to tell my parents. I'm always in jail, right? I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm all in jail. Some of you feel a lot better. You're like, yeah, you know? And um, so all of a sudden they're in jail. But what do they do in jail? They start singing. Let me ask you a question. Do they have a hymnal? Did they have PowerPoint up on the screen? Did they have Chris Tomlin leading them in worship praises? Did they have somebody up there with ripped jeans singing and saying, hey, shout it out, church? No, that's not what they had. That's not it at all. You know what they had? Their memory. The Bible says this, your word have a hidden my heart. Some of you are saying, I don't have hope this morning. Hope is not something you hold. It's what you have in your heart. Amen. So this morning, I don't want you to go around with this expectation of this experience that Jesus is not alive. He is. But you need to understand that your response is based on what you remember. So what are you remembering? Sometimes when you go through a midnight season, you need a memory verse. You need something you can refer back to. You need something you can say, you know what? God promised me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. God promised that he loves me. And so I can make it through the season. I can get through what I'm going through because I know Jesus is with me. I know God is greater than the grave. And so I'm going to hold to that promise during my midnight season because God is with me. So don't let midnight block your mindset because midnight will try to do that. So you need to say, you know what? It's a midnight season. I recognize the season. And so I'm not going to let it block the reason that I'm here, the reason I'm going, the reason I'm going to continue. So don't let not only the midnight block your mindset, but also don't let midnight gain momentum. Where are the disciples? They're in this house and they're cowering. Matter of fact, even when these ladies come to the house and they say, guess what? Guess what? We saw Jesus. We, we saw the angel and they said, Jesus is alive. What do the disciples do? Yeah, right. Like, what are you smoking? Like, <laughs> like, what are you guys on? Right? Like that was their response. Instead of having a right response to them. Instead, they're like, no, lock the door. Close it. We need to stay. Somebody's going to come after us. Why did they have that response? Because they didn't remember. 
And the darkness, the midnight was gaining momentum in their life. And some of you, you're letting this momentum just gain in your life. And instead of saying, God, you're going to break me free. God, you're going to help me in this season. You're getting more and more discouraged. You're attending church less. You're, you're spending less time with God. You're praying less. You're singing less worship and praise to God. You're allowing darkness to get momentum in your life. And don't let it. Don't let the momentum gain. Don't let it build. Not only will it mess with your memory, midnight will mess up the message. You see, Jesus said exactly what was going to happen. And these ladies, they totally missed it. They missed it because they thought it was all about keeping the law. You see, the gospel is about two things. It's not about restriction. It's about resurrection. It's about life. It's about giving. It's about growing. That's what it's about. But these ladies, they're living in the previous chapter. In verse 56, the Bible says that this is what the Bible says. And they returned and prepared spices and ointment and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. They're following a commandment, not understanding that Jesus said a new commandment I give you. A new commandment. Jesus said, hey, I'm not here to fulfill the law, the Old Testament commandment. I'm here to give you a new covenant. And the new covenant that I'm here to give you is not one based on conditions. The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not eat, uh, steal. Thou shalt not do all these things. And it's a list of all these thou shalt not, right? It's a list of things you have to do. But the new commandment was a new covenant. You see, you and I, we often live in what we have to do for God. But God said, no, I've come to abolish that way of thinking. God said, I've come to establish a new covenant where it's not do, it's done. And God says, I accept you. I love you. It's a new covenant. It's not based on commandments. It's not based on conditions. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. So this morning, whether you came to church or you don't go to church, guess what? God still loves you. This morning, whether you have a Bible, you don't have a Bible, God loves you. This morning, whether you pray or you don't pray, God loves you. Whether you are living for him or not living for him, God loves you. Why? Because it's not based on a condition. I love that you're at church. I love that you have a Bible. I love that you pray. I love that you tell others about Jesus. But guess what? There's nothing you can do, will do, or ever could do that'll make God love you any more or any less. Amen, church? So this morning, we need to understand that when Jesus died, it wasn't for the commandment. These ladies, they're still living. That's why they didn't show up on the Sabbath. They didn't want to break the command. But we live under a new covenant. It's this new condition where God says, I love you. Some of you are feeling so guilty about your life. And God is saying, stop living that way. I've got this new covenant for you. A new way of thinking. It's a new mindset. But not only will the midnight block your mindset, I want you to see the mystery of midnight. You say, what do you mean the mystery of midnight? It's found in verse 7. There's one little word. I need us to see it. It's the word must. Would you write that word down? Must? Because some of you are mad that it's midnight. You're mad that it's midnight. You say, what do you mean I'm mad that it's midnight? I'm not mad. Yeah, you are. You complain. You bellyache every time we get around you talking about that thing. That thing that, oh man, if my wife, if my husband, if my job, if my boss, if the weather, if, if this, if the president, if this, and you just, you just always something, 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 and you're just mad that it's midnight because you don't understand that there's meaning to midnight. That was better than you reacted to it. That was good. I'm going to say amen for a second. Time out. That was good. All right. There we go. We can keep going. I'll applaud myself. Sometimes I just got to coach myself sometimes. But you need to understand this morning that God is saying, hey, there's a reason for this season that you're going through, okay? And this word right here in verse 7 saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hand. This wasn't an accident. It didn't catch God off guard. So you need to understand you're going through a season and God meant it to be. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul, the same guy that was in prison, he said this. He said, I want to know God. 
He said, I want to know him so bad. I want to know him so much. He said, I want to know God. And here's what he said. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He's saying, I want to know him. I want to understand why I suffer. I want to understand why I'm going through a midnight season. Because when I can understand it, then it's going to make sense to me. Then I'm going to get why I'm going through this. Because some of us, we have this whole mindset made up that this was not supposed to happen. This stuff happens to other people. But I want you to understand that the greater your calling on your life, the greater the conflict. The greater the opportunity, the greater the opposition. The greater your desire, the greater the need for discipline. But too often, we don't look at it like that. We don't think that, hey, I need to do more. Matter of fact, we want to fulfill our calling in our comfort zone. Here's what I've realized. I don't know the level of my capacity if I'm always doing what's comfortable. You, when you go to the gym, your trainer is always telling you what? Add weight, do more. Why? Because you're never going to reach your capacity if you're not adding more. You cannot reach your capacity in your comfort zone. Some of you, you want to stay in your comfort zone. You want to stay in your little isolated bubble with the same friends. Never reach out to the coworker that needs Jesus. Never talk to your next door neighbor. You don't want to ever stop and help anybody because you want to stay in this nice little isolated bubble. Thank God for the 30 or 40 of you that showed up yesterday on a Saturday on Easter weekend. And you said, I'm going to give up time that I really don't have so I can serve some people I don't know in hopes of me to Jesus that I love. And I'm so thankful that there's a church like that, that has a heart like that, that says we're about seeing people change and life change doesn't just happen on Sunday. It can happen on Monday. It can happen on Tuesday. It can happen on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It can happen any day of the week because our God is big and he's powerful and I'll be available for him to use me if he wants to. I'm here and I'm going to push my capacity. Christian, there is so much more to you than you realize. There's so much more to you. Husbands, there's so much more to you than you realize. Wives, there's so much more to you than you realize. Young people, there's so much more to you than you realize. God has so much more in store for you. But if you never put your capacity, because you live in a world that says be content with your capacity. Just be content where you're at. But you go to a church that says, no, 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 we're going to push you. We're going to scream at you. We're going to yell at you. We're going to motivate you. We're going to say one more. We're going to say, just give a little bit more. We're going to say, just serve a little bit longer. We're going to say, just sing a little louder. We're going to push you because we know what God knows. He knows how he created you. He knows what he put inside of you. He knows what he's doing with you. So God, at this moment, many of you are looking at midnight and it's a mystery to you. And guess what? The mystery's just been revealed to you. That God is saying, hey, there's a meaning to your misery. Your misery is so that you'll have a ministry. God is trying to do so much more through you. And many of you just think God's not at present. I'm here to tell you there is a man behind the curtain. There is somebody that's working. There is somebody who is there. He's always been there. His name is Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sikkenu. He is God. He was the breath of life in the beginning. He was the pillar of fire. He was the pillar of cloud. He was there in the burning bush. He was there with Abraham. He was there with Isaac. He was there with Jacob. He was there with Moses. He was there with David. He was there with prophets. He was there with the apostles and he's here now. And his name is Jesus. That's who he is. A few months ago, our church went through a little difficulty. Our church, we made some decisions and God's been good through it. And sometimes I look back and I ask myself, God, why? 
Why would I go through all of that hurt, all of that trouble, for what? And I can at times get bitter and angry at God. And then last week, God in a moment of grace and goodness revealed something to me. It wasn't audible. It wasn't a sign. It wasn't anything like that. It was simply a phone call from the most unlikely of people. Matter of fact, it was from a person that doesn't care for me very much. That said pretty nasty things about me. But that's okay. I'm okay. Not really, but I'll pretend like I am. So they called me. And I was thinking, hi, how are you? I didn't say, how are you? I was like, what do you want? But I was nice about it. I was nice. I thought I was nice. If anybody was around me thought I was nice. I was trying to be nice, all right? And that person told me about a woman who is in hospice. As she said, this woman stage four pancreatic cancer. She doesn't have much more time. And we've talked to her and we asked her, you don't have much more time. Is there anybody you want to see? She has family all over the country. And she said, I don't want to see him. That's hard for family to hear. But then before she continued on, she did say one name. She stopped him and she said, wait a minute. There's one person before I go, I want to see. And this is God in his grace revealing why something happened. He said, I want to see Jane. He said, why would she ask to see Jane? Because in October, Jane led her to Jesus. And she prayed and asked Jesus into her heart. And this woman for 34 years who claimed to be an atheist, who claimed to want nothing to do with God, who claimed to just say, I don't want any Christianity. A few months ago, she gave her life to Jesus. And the last person she wanted to see, she said, I want to see Jane because she changed my eternal destiny. Sometimes you go through a season, you think it's a mystery. But God is saying, it's not a mystery to me. I know what I'm doing. Trust me. I'm good. I'm great. And these things had to be. God is at work, church, in your life and mine. God wants to do great things. But you need to understand what these women understood. That the miracle came the moment after midnight. And some of us were about to quit at midnight. Because we don't know if there's ever going to be a morning. We don't know if we can make it till morning, honestly. We think it's midnight, I'm not going to make it. I can't keep going. But God wants to encourage you this morning that you can make it till morning. That the morning will come. That God will do something. Because God is ruling and reigning. And you think it's kind of like Cinderella. That the magic ends at midnight. That's what Satan was saying. Satan was looking over the grave of Jesus and he said, I've got you. You are mine, Jesus. I own you. I nailed you to that cross. You are finished. You are mine. Hope gone. Redemption gone. Sin still here. That's what Satan was saying. But you know what God was saying? Satan was saying, he's mine. God said, till midnight, till midnight. Till midnight, because after midnight, he's not staying there because the morning is coming. Midnight can't stop morning. Touch your neighbor again because you love your neighbor and tell him morning is coming. Morning is coming. Darkness is going to give way to light. Midnight must give way to the miracle of daylight. So this morning, hold on. I want you to see this. I was studying that word midnight. And then I went to the Old Testament. Sometimes you got to go way back. And you got to see where this concept of midnight. And I came to Exodus. Exodus chapter number 12. 
let me see if I can remember it. Because you got to have a memory verse for midnight. We're going to put it up on the screen. Notice what the Bible says. And it came to pass that at, say it, midnight. You see, here's what they were told. The Egyptians, they had enslaved the people, the children of Israel for 400 years. That's a long midnight. For 400 years, they had enslaved them. But God said, get ready. Because after Passover, at midnight, you're going free. I'm going to send you out. Some of you think your midnight's going to last a long time, but your midnight is about to be over. Your moment is about to come. God is about to bring the morning sooner than you expected. And just like the Egyptians, God brought them out. Egypt was a picture of slavery, of sin and bondage. That's what midnight is to you. But God is saying, get ready because the moment after midnight, we're going free. We're leaving. Some of you, you're stuck in midnight and it's time to understand that God is leading you out, that God wants to do something in your life. There was 11 apostles Judas had betrayed Jesus, and so he committed suicide. But there lives the other 11 apostles. They're hiding in fear for midnight. But there's one. His name is Peter. And notice what Peter does. Peter, in verse number 11, the Bible says, And the words seemed to the others as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran to the tomb. For a long time, some of you have been running, not necessarily to God, but away from God. Peter, he ran from God. He denied Jesus three times. He denied him. He said, I don't know him. He even began cursing to say he didn't know Jesus. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been running. Hey, I'm closing the service. Let's all stand. Maybe you've been running. And this morning, God is saying, you've been running and you've been running because it's a midnight season. And it's time that you turn a different direction. It's time that you seek Jesus. It's time that you give your life to Jesus. It's time where you say, Lord, I want to receive you as my savior. God, I want to make you my father. I'm going to run in a different direction. I'm not going to allow the midnight to gain momentum. The morning is coming. God is at work. He is alive and he is calling you. And so this morning, you can have a totally different outlook on life. This morning, if you'll receive him, the Bible says in John chapter number one, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. This morning, you have the opportunity to receive Jesus in your life. If you've never done that, and right now you say, I'm feeling something on my heart right now. I feel like God's working. I don't know what it is. That's Jesus saying, hey, will you turn directions? Maybe you're here and you've never given Jesus your life. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't even know if I believe everything that I hear. There's something about this Jesus. I'm drawn to him, but you've never received him. Easter is a special day in my life because for me, Easter Sunday is when I gave my life to Jesus when I was 14. 17 years ago, Easter Sunday evening, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm praying that today, some of you will make the same decision. That this Resurrection Sunday, that day will be this day for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to talk to you if you're not a Christ follower. If you don't know the name of Jesus, you've never given him your life. I'm talking to you this morning. I'm asking you to run to him. I'm asking you to give yourself to him. I'm asking you to make him your Lord, your Savior. He loves you. He died on a cross for you. He took all your sin, all your shame. He took it all on the cross because he loves you. So this morning, have you received him? 
Have you made him your savior? I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever received Jesus? And if you'd like to do that, with nobody looking around, would you slip up your hand and say, today, I want to invite Jesus in my heart. I see that hand. Anybody else? You want to slip up your hand? Say, I want to receive Jesus. I see that hand. Anybody else? Say, I want to receive Jesus. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Hands up all over. Praise God. Here's what I want to do, church. There are some that they're going to come to Jesus for the first time. And so can we, for the benefit of them, can we pray together with them out loud as a church for those that are coming to God for the first time and those that are coming back to God? Let's pray.